The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. Speaking on the issues that impact, this is the Patrick Henningsen Show on TNT Radio. All right, welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to TNT Today's News Talk. Hour number two, here we are. It's uh, Wednesday. We're halfway through the week, just about, exactly, actually, halfway through the week on our five-day week broadcasting here on the live streams globally. And again, if you're just tuning in on the live stream, you can always catch all the episodes broken up by the hour or by the great team at TNT, today's news talk and podcasting format on every major podcasting platform. Of course, you go to tntradio.live. You'll see the archives under each show. Just go to the listen back section under the Patrick Henningsen show and be very neatly organized by segment. Nobody else does this but TNT. It's a great service for our listeners and shows you that this network cares about its listeners like nobody else does. And we really appreciate everybody on this network doing their best to give you honest news and analysis. That's certainly that's what we're trying to do at this program here. Now, we're going to get to some breaking updates uh, with what's going on uh, in uh, the Middle East, specifically focusing on Palestine and Israel, and more aptly, what's happening in Gaza. There's been some disturbing announcements over the last 24 hours. We will broach some of these subjects with our next guest, uh, who is a veteran uh, reporter and analyst on these matters. Hala Jabber is joining us in the second hour uh, in just a few minutes. But there are reports that uh, Israel will be doing what they've always done, which is put down landmines in Gaza. Yes, you heard that correctly. To prevent uh, residents from returning to their homes or anybody remaining from escaping, civilian roads are being mined by the Israelis. No surprise there. No surprise there. Why? Because they did the exact same thing in Lebanon. And we're censured for it internationally by multiple groups, including the UN uh, group that's in charge of clearing landmines. Israel's been not very uh, helpful, let's say, not very cooperative with the UN groups or the Lebanese trying to clear all the cluster bombs and mines, which they littered all over South Lebanon when they occupied it, when they tried to take a hard, a, a huge chunk of South Lebanon and failed in the end and were sent with their tail between their legs in 2006 after being defeated by Hezbollah, believe it or not, a much more uh, under-equipped and arguably inferior force than the great IDF, they were defeated and had to go home. So they uh, waved the white flag and took off back to Israel, but they left behind in their wake a lot of cluster bombs, unexploded munitions, landmines, and things like that, the sort of things that kill and maim for decades after the fact. Still today, they're clearing them up. Still today, the Israelis will, Israelis will not provide all of the various uh, drops on terms of air sorties for cluster bombs to allow the authorities to go and find them and clear those areas. They're not cooperating. Why? Maybe out of spite. Who knows? Very sad indeed, but it says a lot about uh, Israel's attitude uh, just generally in terms of what they observe uh, regarding international law and the Geneva Conventions. It's not very impressive, uh, to say the least. But uh, we'll go uh, look at some other stories that we're going to basically bring up. We'll talk about the Al-Shifa Hospital with uh, Hala Jabber also in the second hour here. We'll talk about the Lebanese situation, of which she's uh, very much on point with. And uh, we'll, we'll bring up a few other salient points uh, if we're able to um, as well. Now, uh, I want to 
So take your attention over to the news headlines here. The Israel's national security minister is basically a far-right ethno-nationalist. I mean, honestly, you can't make this up. It's a basket case of a country, if you want to call it that. Anyway, his name's Ben Gavir, okay? So this is the equivalent of the kind of neo-Nazi far-right in Europe, or I guess if they had a party in America, it would be headed by someone like Ben Gavir, who is a sort of... uh, the type of a white Jewish white supremacist type of character that Netanyahu needed in order to create this uh, coalition to keep Netanyahu in power because he himself is not very popular. So we need to stitch together a coalition of all these sort of motley extremist factions within Israel. One of them, of course, is the most extremist is uh, Itamar Ben-Gavir. And so he's condemned the delivery of fuel aid, and so forth to the people of Gaza from the Rafa crossing. So this is what you're dealing with when it comes to Israel. The first delivery, a major delivery, uh, many deliveries have been held up. We heard 60 tons of aid came from Iran, which they paid for and organized. Israel's rejected it, not allowing it to enter. It's been checked. It's been okayed by the Egyptian government. Israel's happy to to rummage through it, check everything, throw half of it into the bin, which they probably would do, and there's quote security check or whatever, but they're not allowing it in. So if they, if it, if they managed to make a run for it, they'd probably call in an airstrike and blow up the aid. Okay, that's what would happen. So anyway, this is the sad state of affairs. So Ben Gavir took to social media, and basically saying diesel fuel is a weapon. So diesel fuel is used to power generators for hospitals basic things okay they don't have electricity in gaza haven't for a month it's called collective punishment that's a war it's a war crime it's a crime against humanity explicitly forbidden in the geneva conventions of which all these countries are signatories to so after inspecting a truck on wednesday transportation minister miri regev who's also inspected the truck wrote in a post on X Twitter platform that uh, fuel for the UN relief uh, agencies there is fuel for Hamas. So this is what you're dealing with with the radicals uh, in Israel. Unfortunately, the lunatics have taken over the asylum and these nut jobs, unfortunately, are in positions of power and they're preventing the aid from coming through. Apparently everything, medical aid, fuel water it's all for hamas therefore it must be forbidden so keep the collective punishment going they don't care if people starve or die in gaza they certainly don't so this is the problem with israel they're not reasonable uh they don't really care much about the lives in palestinian lives in gaza they're they're quite happy if that death toll climbs and climbs they're they're very happy with that otherwise they would have stopped it a month ago they could have sent their message, you know, killed a few thousand people and called it a day. But no, no, they're going full. They're going for the full, full hog. No pun intended. That's ethnic cleansing and genocide, folks. Turkish President Tayyip Erdogan has demanded that Netanyahu publicly declare whether West Jerusalem has nuclear weapons or not. Interesting. Wow. Erdogan's made some pretty racy statements uh, over the last 48 hours it's called israel a quote terrorist state israel is a terrorist state said the turkish president nato member 
This is interesting. We'll see how this develops. So are there nukes or or tactical nukes in West Jerusalem? An address made to the parliament in Ankara, the Turkish president said that uh, <laughs> the Israeli leader uh, will soon be a goner, he said. So he doesn't. he's saying Netanyahu's not long for politics or this world, maybe. Uh, Erdogan reiterated calls for Israeli leaders to be tried for war crimes in the international courts of justice. Declaring that the country's assault on Gaza included the most treacherous acts in human history and enabled unlimited, quote, unlimited backing from its Western allies. This, this is all true, actually. Whether he's going to be held to account or not, that's another story. So while Israel is widely suspected to possess hundreds of nuclear warheads, anyone's estimation from 60 to 200, uh, it has never officially acknowledged their existence operating under the policy of strategic ambiguity. There's a nice little uh, euphemism, strategic ambiguity. That goes right up there with collateral damage in the Hall of Fame of militarized politically correct speech. Strategic ambiguity. This has allowed Israel to escape any inspections or any regulatory measures from the International Atomic Energy Agency, from the Non-Proliferation of Nuclear Weapons Treaties, which are multilateral agreements signed and observed by many states, but not Israel. Okay, so they've escaped all that, and they will not allow any third-party independent inspections of its arsenal either. So this is interesting. So one set of rules for everybody and another set of rules for the state of Israel. So when Erdogan says it's a terrorist state, remember this is a terrorist state with nuclear weapons. Okay, not Iran, Israel. Let that sink in for a moment. However, the heritage minister of Israel... His name is Amihai Eliyahu, was relieved uh, of his former post. He was sacked earlier this month after doing a media interview in Israel saying that nuclear weapons would be one way of dealing with Gaza, implying that the country not only had nukes but was willing or even eager to use them. A little too much enthusiasm for the nukes over there in Israel, uh, these people what can we say? If anybody else was talking like that, all hell would break loose internationally. The U.S. and Britain would be pounding their fists on the table at the United Nations Security Council. This outrage, this cannot stand. We must have a resolution to bring these uh, people to heal, whoever they are in the world, speaking like this. But when Israel does it with actual nukes, total silence from the West. Total silence as if it wasn't even set and even if the the israelis were funny how they were trying to cover up this they're saying oh he was just a he's just a cultural minister there don't listen to him uh it's not really significant there you know if anybody from russia talked like this or china or you know just pick a country uh they, all hell would break loose They'd be freaking out, having these like candlelight vigils and you know students would be sheltering in place They'd be sheltering in place at the college. Actually, they're telling them to do that now. They're telling New Yorkers, can you believe this? Authorities telling New Yorkers that Jewish residents of New York uh, were advised to shelter in place during the pro-Palestinian marches, which they're calling uh, 
anti-Semitic marches. That's what the media in the U.S. were calling them, pro-Palestinian marches in New York. Somehow the uh, Jewish community in New York was seemingly under threat. I mean, most Jewish people in New York would laugh at that, and I'm sure many did, and they weren't sheltering in place. There's some that might do, and if they do have that sort of level of anxiety, I don't know. Have you ever gone to a pro-Palestinian march before? I'll tell you, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's fairly peaceful, but that's not how it's uh, portrayed in the Western media. They're all freaking out because they're trying to make something out of nothing or to create something uh, out of th a thing that's not actually there, that's not actually present. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a thing called propaganda. We discuss it often on this program. Let's take a break here with TNT. Today's News Talk. I'm Patrick Henning, senior host. Join us in just a minute. We're going to be joined by uh, veteran Middle East journalist Hala Jabber on the other side for a deeper look at what's happening between Israel, Gaza, Lebanon. We'll put it all together in just a few moments. Stay right there. TNT Radio's Bruce DeTorres. What happened on October 7th? Was it a surprise, a failure of intelligence, a failure of response, or even something more insidious? To me, it's very believable that there was an intelligence and a military failure. And the reason that that's very believable to me is precisely because of Netanyahu's policies, starting with the policy of utilizing Hamas essentially as a strategic ally to ensure that there is no peace process, to ensure that, you know, that this policy of keeping Keeping the Palestinian leadership divided, which dates back to 2006 when Hamas won parliamentary elections. And so you had a Hamas-led government in the occupied territories and the Israeli government's inclusion with the U.S. government. Their response to that was to collude with Fatah, which is the, the, the party of Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas, to try to overthrow the Hamas-led government. And that failed. And so what this is described in the media as a Hamas coup, a violent coup in Gaza, and that's that's ahistorical. What actually happened was Hamas launched a counter coup and prevented Fatah from over violently overthrowing the Hamas-led government. Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. A better business tip from TNT Radio. News Talk Radio listeners are some of the most active and involved listeners of any format. TNT Radio listeners rely on TNT Radio often as their primary source of information. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Unbiased information. Honest and forthright. News without the misinformation. It doesn't matter what side you're from. What matters is what you say, the truthfulness behind it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to TNT Today's News Talk. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. Thank you for joining us. We're in hour number two of this live broadcast, and we're going to go a little bit deeper into geopolitics, into what's happening in the Middle East, specifically between Palestine and Israel, but also uh, Lebanon as well. We're going to bring on to the stage uh, a veteran Middle East journalist, author of Hezbollah, Born with a Vengeance, Hala Jabber, is joining us, Lebanese journalist on the line right now. Hala, how are you? Hi, Patrick. Um, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No, that's, that's our and pleasure. And good evening to your listeners. And good evening to all your listeners. 
Oh, they, and they say good evening back. Uh, very much so. <laughs> I've very much enjoyed your previous segment with us, Hala. We had quite a few listeners that wanted to see you back. Um, Hala, uh, we wanted to get your sort of opinion and analysis on some of the breaking uh, points that have come up in the last couple of days, just to hear what your thoughts are on the situation in general. Of, of course, first and foremost is a lot of people are asking, Hala, what, what is the actual status of this proposed five-day truce or five-day ceasefire is this something that's just been kicked around as a concept is uh are any parties serious about this if so what needs to happen what have you heard on this front i mean you know this has been going on has been, you know the, the story has been going on for a few days now and uh, we've yet to see a plan of action put together as to when does it kick in what time what day uh, what does it entail? Uh, does it does it only apply to the southern part of Gaza? Does it apply to the northern part of Gaza, uh, where Israel is now um, based, or where they've you know basically they're occupying? Um, so there are lots of details that are not available. Um, part of it, the idea uh, the idea for it in large is for the this um, apparent exchange of um, you know prisoners and hostages between the Israelis and the, and the Palestinians, whereby the Palestinians are going to be releasing you know all the civilian women, children, and those with the with dual nationality in return for all the women and children, or so or so we are hearing. I mean. These are reports that are coming out, but we don't know, obviously, the, the, the actual details. I think Qatar is the, the, the country that has been um, negotiating this and been the mediator throughout this. Um, so we wait to see whether, whether this does happen. And it will probably be, be, sorry, it will probably be also like a breather, if you want, for the Palestinians. Um, and in order to allow for supplies to come into the, to, to, uh, you know, to, to the south where now you've got over uh, a million and a half refugees who are now displaced internally you know living in very 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 dark conditions especially with the weather changing and the rain falling and their tents um it's, it's going to be quite hard so it is very much needed uh, let's not let's not um, um, uh, you know uh, uh, go wrong about that. But you know whether Israel will actually do it because in Israeli mind, any any space like that um, they think you know uh, allows for uh, Hamas if you want to sort of regroup or escape or or, or get together or you know take a breather. So they they don't want to stop that kind of thing. And the Americans also have said the same kind of thing as well as some other Western countries that this would allow Hamas to kind of regroup or even escape through the civilians so we should see i mean i i don't have anything um, beyond what seriously what we're all hearing and whether it comes through or not yeah and from what about from an israeli uh point of view i mean could they benefit from uh, a temporary uh, cessation in order to, I don't know, rearm, but also just the public relations tsunami against Israel is massive. It's building yeah. and they, yeah. they, they might need a breather. What do you think on that side? Um, yeah, I mean, another, there's another part, obviously. There's now huge international anger. And I'm not talking about politicians because we know where they stand and they've made it very clear from day one. And without their support and their stance, Israel may, have, may not have gone as far as, as what they've done. So put that aside, but there's been public outrage 
um, internationally that we've and we've really never seen this before in in all our coverage of the Palestinian-Israeli um, uh, history and 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 wars, um, and and people are much more aware now. And Israel is losing a lot of credibility amongst people, you know, and this issue about it being a victim is really turning against it because it's no longer seen as a victim but seen as you know a, a very cruel aggressor and um that is unleashing you know hell on earth against uh when you when you look at it at the, at the end of the day irrespective of hamas's weapon but against a really what you would say in arabic terms or you know without be it's not being offensive to them but in effect you know in comparison iraq tag tag army um and and but it's the population that has paid a huge um, a, a, a huge cost you know with with over 12 nearly over 12000 killed um, about 5000 children 3000 women so yes israel could do with a bit of a bit to show good intention to show goodwill to show that it's humane because it's lost its face of humanity in this war really and it's turned into this kind of ghoul and monster that that has no that really has no um, um, uh, um, regard for human life or humanity or civilians so it could buy some of that back maybe but not much but it could just do with a little bit of a breather as far as the military is concerned um, to regroup uh, perhaps they could do with some of it, although they've been rolling. Well, they haven't really been rolling. It's been difficult for them in the northern part so far. It's been five weeks and their gradual advance has been quite slow because they've met quite fierce resistance on the ground. So they haven't been able um, to take it as quick as they want. Now, you'd have the Israeli side saying, well, actually, no, that's not the case because we're actually going through every alleyway and every house and it takes time. Um, but when you think about it, um, it has been a slow, gradual um, advance into a sector, and it's really not achieved much. Um, we can talk about the achievements in a bit, but um, yeah, I think both sides can do with it, but uh, uh, more so um, the Palestinians for real reasons, and the Israelis, if you want, for um, for PR reasons. Let's put it that way. And, and I think um, I've said previously on uh, a previous segment when we had a discussion with Freddie Ponton, a uh, French journalist, I said that, look, a ceasefire is, is is essential to stop the killing, to stop the bombing, but it must be accompanied with uh, unrestricted delivery of aid and personnel, yes. medical supplies, electricity, water. Um, what what good, you know, could you see a situation where they would, you know, agree to a hostage exchange but not release aid and allow for food, water, and electricity and if if so that that really doesn't doesn't really benefit the the people of Gaza who are under under fire right now what what what's your thoughts on on that well it definitely wouldn't and i and i don't think i don't i don't know whether hamas would accept such, such a thing i mean bottom line is let's say let's say for the sake of argument this, this exchange is happening and we have hundreds um, of palestinians being released by israeli prisons i mean where are they releasing them to 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 to, to gaza to the situation that Gaza's in, I mean, there's that. I mean, I don't know what the answer. Or are they releasing them to the West Bank? Um, are they sending them to Egypt? Um, is it going to be a one day of you know we bring them in bus and you bring your lot in bus and we do a quick exchange and that's it over? You know, like when we saw when the when Hamas did that one or two hostages releases, you know, across the border in Eretz with the with the Red Cross, that was a very quick one. Um, a few hours of a ceasefire, if you want, you know, until the exchange happened. 
Um, but to do one now with, with these numbers involved and for Israel to get all its hostages, sure, you know, I, I doubt that that is going to be a case of just hostages for prisoners without any of the other benefits that are very vital um, for the people of, uh, of Gaza, for the civilians themselves. You know, like you said, um, the, the, there is food required, there's water, there's electricity, there's internet, there's uh, there, the, the tents, um, proper tents, there's weather change now in the Middle East, in that part of the region. You know, it's the end of autumn, the beginning of winter. The children will need clothing. You know, everybody that's there now has, has rushed out of their homes. They've got nothing. They came out with whatever they've got, on, you know, with, with, with a bundle of something, but nothing much to write home about. So, so the requirements are enormous. So, yes, at least, you know, it will take more than a day um, for these goods to be delivered, for these supplies to be delivered, and um, to allow for UN and international uh, aid workers to go in and help with the distribution and and with uh, sorting out the situation, even putting tents, proper tents, up for them. You know that they could um, take um, sanctuary and during during the if this is going to prolong, like I said, I go back to the weather change. You know they will need to be covered. You know in, in prop, under proper coverage. You know the, these buildings that are there are not sufficient to take the numbers that have that have that are now accumulated and um, along the border yeah and, and from an israeli point of view i can see how netanyahu to relieve some domestic pressure he could go to the people and say look i've got these israeli citizens back and then he'll turn to the u.s media by the way holly he's doing all of his segments on u.s media and and not so yeah. many on israeli media and he'll say to the international community look we're merciful we're compassionate look we've done this truce in good faith and uh and we've returned our our israelis back to to their families and so forth so he tried to use that as a PR thing, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, sorry, Patrick. I mean, if we've, if we've seen anything over the past two, three weeks, particularly this week, we've seen that they've been doing all these kind of, they're, they're attempting to do all these kind of PR stunts, right? And each one of them actually has been quite, quite a disaster, to be honest. You know, it begs the question as to who's running their PR section, because, you know, we always thought that they were very, they were excellent at it. <laughs> but I mean, they've just been third rate videos and audios and, and PR stunts that are just laughable, you know? Um, so yes, it's important for him. And, um, and, and, and they love these PR things. So, he might think that this is a PR stunt, you know, in, in the West, but not if you, I, I've noticed the interviews, but if you see even now in the States, the interviewers have been very fierce, you know, they, they, their questioning of him is much harsher than what they allowed before. And I think because even, even the news um, agents or broadcasters or TVs, you know, cannot deny what they're seeing, what they're watching on TV, cannot deny the reality. So yes, he could get a little bit of that, but I don't I think what what they've done over the past five four weeks is gonna take a lot more than a few interviews across, you know, the international world to to repair the image of Israel. And speaking of PR uh, stunts, uh, what about the Al Shifa hospital? Just putting aside, we can tell us about what actually what's actually happened there uh, with the Israeli military shooting into the hospital, taking it over. Um, but they they basically use this to vindicate the entire bombing campaign, saying, "Look, we found <laughs> we found the Hamas command center <laughs> under the hospital," and it was almost and they came up with graphics and everything. And then the Indonesian engineers who built the hospital just released a video i don't know if you saw it basically saying this is complete rubbish here's why they got taken apart by a couple of indonesian uh uh engineers who engineers. were volunteers 
who were working for a charity, an Indonesian charity, basically rubbished the entire Israeli propaganda machine uh, with the video they put out. I mean, it's embarrassing. But, but t tell us about the Al-Shifa drama and how this has been used okay. What and what actually happened. I mean, I, I, I've been thinking about it today. And Al-Shifa Hospital, you see, it's more than just a hospital. Al-Shifa is like the nerve center. And I don't mean it in a military term of way. I mean, it, it's a nerve center um, for Gaza and for the Gazans, right? Al-Shifa was started in 1946-47, even before the creation of, 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 of the state of Israel. So it's been there historically for a long time before Israel was came about. It was, you know, it started as, as British military barracks or something. And obviously it's expanded. It's, a, it's, a, it's the largest hospital. It provides every um, um, medical department you want. And it's been the sanctuary of the Gazans, both medically and during times of war. So it's, a, it's not just a landmark, it's a historic landmark for them. Um, it's a nerve center for them. It's, it's the heartbeat of Gaza, if you want, right? Because of its history and what it's represented for them over the years. So going into Al-Shifa for Israel, again, probably another PR thought, you know, for them, taking Al-Shifa hospital would be like a grand uh, victory. Um, Claiming that the, the, the Hamas headquarters uh, run and you know are, are under are below the, the the hospital and you know that's where the headquarters is being run through the tunnels below the hospital. Well, they 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 stormed in yesterday, um, late at night. As 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 you and I are aware, we were all up watching this um, as much as we could, and um, and literally before we came on air, not uh, on air, not long before that, the actual soldiers uh, soldiers left the hospital even though they remain, you know, surrounding it with a tank. You see, I, I know I, this is going to sound crazy, but I'm going to do a funny analog. Well, not funny. I mean, it's sad. It's, you know, I know it's a much smaller scale, but it's, it's beginning in my mind to go, it's like, you know, the last stand. This is like, uh, Al-Shifa has become the last stand. It's like Leningrad, you know, when they surrounded it and uh, they put it under siege. And it was, you know, it had a lot of meaning for the Germans at the time as to why they wanted it. And Al-Shifa is turning into something similar that they desperately wanted to prove a point, but that point doesn't exist. I mean, they've left today and they haven't found any Hamas, despite their claims over the last few days saying that um, there are Hamas fighting from inside, there are Hamas shooting from inside. And... Um, and if you look at the international law, you're not really allowed to storm hospitals or, or bomb them or attack them, right? And there are very few exceptions to that if they're being used as, as military um, uh, launchers, you know, as, as a ground for military launching, which to this day, having left the hospital, they haven't come up with a single Hamas um, prisoner or Hamas fighter, which means Israel's storming of the hospital last night and its attack against it is against international. It's another war crime, literally. I mean, we're watching war crimes here in real time, literally. You know, in the old days when the Holocaust happened, people could turn around and say, but we didn't know. There was no social media. There were no phones. There were no mobile phones. There were no cameras, right? So countries and people could turn around and say, well, we didn't know what was going on. But what excuse have we got now when we're watching this life on television in real time on a daily basis, we're watching a war crime happening and and the countries and the Western countries are just supporting it and, and saying nothing about it. I mean, that is shameful, I find.
Yeah, I mean, just imagine soldiers storming a hospital, shooting through the windows, and considering they're already under siege. I mean, uh, power, uh, uh, diesel fuel for generators, uh, uh, medical supplies, uh, anesthesia, antibiotics, you know, and doctors themselves, like literally uh, capable, still healthy medical workers or staff. Uh, they're short of all these things as well. They've got babies uh, in in incubators that need power and so forth. All of these things is just a complete collapse of a of a healthcare yeah, system. Yeah, go ahead. And 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 it's it's just uh, it's 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 like a Hollywood. Um, uh, not even that. I mean, it's fallacy. You know, they they brought all the, well. They showed us another PR stunt today where they brought all these boxes. Actually, this time they're all in English, branded in English. You know, the, the boxes are printed in English. You know, medical supplies in case we, you know, we're not in Arabic, not in not in the Hebrew, not in uh, the Hebrew, but in English. You know, medical supplies. And yesterday they showed us another one of incubators being, you know, put in a truck. I mean, what's the what's the use of incubators when they don't provide the fuel to run them? And that's, you know, um, the, the hospital is not in need of incubators or was not in need, they, they, you know, the, their incubators are intact. What they needed was fuel the, to run the generators oh, oh, you're and, saying and the, oxygen. The Israelis, oh, hold on. You're saying the Israelis were publicizing that they brought aid to the hospital yes. to help the yes. poor Gazans. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. And 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 you know, as, uh, today, well, they showed us that they were delivering boxes. Whether these boxes were delivered inside or not, they they were being you know removed from trucks, right? Whether they were taken into the hospital or not is another story. But yesterday, they also showed us that they were piling incubators to bring into the hospital. But the, the question was not you know this humanity. It's like why are you sending them incubators? They have their own. They don't need incubators. They need fuel. To run generators, they need fuel to run the generators and the pressure and the and they need oxygen for the tanks so that these babies will not these babies have been removed now from the incubators and and the nurses are actually you know they're doing it manually um, providing the kind of air and oxygen that these children are in need and they're dying um, and then you know aside from that storming the hospital they again just before we came on i was reading that they they you know because they were supposedly searching again you know for these underground tunnels and and hamas fighters but in their search they were smashing things so they've smashed the x-ray room and the x-ray machines and they fired a few grenades and they've shot in the hospital and and aside from that the trauma they caused for injured people. I mean, there are injuries there. There are people limbless. There are people with cancer. There are people with, um, with, with, you know, with serious grave injuries from being shot and hit, uh, you know, by rockets and missiles and what have you. And, and the doctors that have been, you know, re working relentlessly for the past 40 days, right? Putting them through this trauma for what exactly? For what? And the children and the refugees that are hidden, not hidden, that are taking sanctuary in there. And then they left. Did they provide food? Did they provide water? Did they provide them with the electricity? Did they provide them with the essential needs that they need? Well, they did. The 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 one video I saw, which was uh, comical, uh, was that one of the Israeli uh, soldiers, whoever's in charge of propaganda, whatever, with the stand up to the camera. There's a piece of rope on the ground. He said, "Look, there's the rope. This is where the hostages were." Uh, this is a Hamas uh, command center. Look, there's a kitchen. Here's a box of nappies. You know, the the whole thing is just. Oh, ridiculous. this was the other hospital. This was. Yeah. This oh, was the other hospital. hospital. Yeah. This was, 
this was near the other hospital two days, two nights, two, three nights ago, right? Yeah. And it was yeah. the most ridiculous thing. One, it wasn't running under the hospitals. It looked like an elevator shaft, right? Fortified one. And yes, they may have used it, you know, as a, as a shelter during the war, um, during, during the bombardment. And the whole thing was so staged, it was beyond ridiculous. I mean, it was really beyond ridiculous. And then the best part was the, the calendar of the names of the fighters who, who turned out to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, su- Sunday, you know, the names of the week. Um, it was the shift calendar. And, you know, and, and he's standing in front of him saying, you know, the names of the, of the, of the guards that were guarding the hostages. And I mean, I, I mean, it's so embarrassing. It's cringe. It's cringe. It's cringy, you know, but, um, and yeah, they've got it wrong. And um, that was, that was in another place. It wasn't even under hospital. It was near and it was a shaft. And, and you know, the, if you, and experts have looked at the, you know, when they opened the, the box of the, the, the electricity, you know, it is like for an elevator. It's nothing to do with a shelter. And, uh, you know, even, even the footage, the way they, they, they filmed it, they, they never showed us, anyone going down how where is it exactly how far is it you know how deep is it they just show this you know this is a shaft and then somebody's already downstairs and then the the arms that they claimed were the were hamas arms you know as proof that this was a, a a tunnel for hamas i mean they were all lined up literally very neatly i mean imagine in a war where you have fighters going in and out right and let's say they're escaping. You think they're going to have time to sit and pile, you know, their guns in, in, a, in a straight line here and the machine guns there. The whole thing was so staged. It was ridiculous. And today, I mean, they went into Shifa yesterday and at night they were supposed to have trying to go downstairs to the basement because obviously every hospital has a basement. You know, there are floors that are underground, you know, for, for, certain, uh, for certain departments. Um, I'm assuming that if we have, if they had found such tunnels, we, you know, they would be bragging about it, you know, from, 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 from the mosque minarets today. Um, and then they left it, you know, after causing so much damage and so much trauma inside, and they, you know, they left it. Unless this is a, a prelude for another storming of the hospital, uh, time will tell. No, indeed, indeed. And look, we're going to shift gears after the break. I'm here with Hala Jabba. Uh, he was a veteran Middle Eastern uh, correspondent, journalist, writer, author of Hezbollah, Born with a Vengeance. Great book uh, published in 1997. Uh, she's she's joining us on the line right now. We're going to we're going to take a quick break here with TNT, today's news talk. And when we come back, we're going to look at a, a few other important issues, including uh, what's happening regarding Lebanon and the northern part of Israel and then South Lebanon, what's happening there. All this and more on the other side. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, another big climate meeting is coming up. This one is what? COP28. And apparently its report is a real doozy. I can only imagine. But here's the crazy question. If it's COP28, is the planet in better shape as far as old growing food economically overall than it was 28 years ago or whenever the first one was so what is all the panic about here in the united states the weather channel i don't know why they're calling themselves the weather channel anymore just call yourself the global warming channel is explaining that things are really getting out of control here in the united states so naturally i put on the map of where all the weather stations are around the world and they're currently 0.16 fahrenheit above normal the united states has had no significant heating in the last 25 years and yet we hear that we are warming up six 
60% faster than everyone else. Now, where the heck does that come from, given the bulk of the warming is up in the Arctic? But this is the kind of stuff you're getting. And the problem is that the population is simply being bombarded with it in a consistent fashion, and there's very low resistance. So what's the moral of the story? Well, I've always told you I have deep spiritual roots and a deep belief in God, and every night I thank God for TNT and him letting me be the climate and weather watchdog. This is meteorologist Joe Bastardi, TNT's climate and weather watchdog, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you get. Asthma is a growing problem, especially among children. Asthma affects the quality of life for millions, like me, every single day. My name is Chris Draft, and I have asthma. And I've spent more than a decade in the NFL tackling asthma on and off the field. Join me and the EPA in helping people control their asthma. Asthma is a lung condition that can be controlled through medication and by avoiding things that can make it worse. Three steps are the solution to controlling asthma. Step one, talk to a doctor. Step two, make a plan. And step three, get rid of things that can make it worse. Asthma can be tackled. For more information on asthma, log on to epa.gov asthma. Speaking on the issues that impact, this is the Patrick Henningsen Show on TNT Radio. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're in the final segment of the final hour of this live broadcast here on TNT. Today's news talk live and direct news, news and analysis, ladies and gentlemen, Monday to Friday here on TNT, 4 p.m. till 6 p.m. UK time. If you're on East Coast Standard Time in the United States, that's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Monday to Friday. We're here every week, every day of the week. Thank you for rejoining us. Hello to everybody in the TNT chat community. Uh, joining us on the line right now is veteran Middle East journalist Hala Jabber. She's all been kind of unraveling some of these things that we've been trying to tease out from the media reporting. Uh, Hala, just a quick update on the so-called truce proposal it's i think it's been shaved down to uh three days well that's what they're saying, a three day a, a three-day truce okay so we'll see we'll, we'll watch and wait uh based on what you said before as well um and just just a quick point of of detail i don't know if you can help with this uh because there's some confusion about uh, is there a difference between the indonesian hospital or the al-shifa hospital people are asking are they both the same complex are they sister no no, hospitals? no they're not no, okay, no, no. There, there are like there, there are like uh, throughout Gaza or across Gaza. You know, we're talking, in, in you know, when, when before this war, it, it has what they refer to as thirty-six hospitals. Not, not you know, Shifa is a hospital. Uh, Indonesian hospital is a um, uh, sorry, uh, was it the Indonesian hospital or, or Rantisi? Indonesian hospital is a different hospital to Shifa hospital. And then you had you have Al Quds hospital. They're, they're scattered across across Gaza. Now some of them are not main hospitals. Some of them are like for for um, for kids, for children, pediatric, um, 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 and others are like health centers. Um, but a lot of those have been um, have been hit, damaged, closed down by the Isra by Israeli um, uh, attacks over the last month. Um, but Shifa remains to be, like I said, it is the center, it is the main, it is the nerve, it's the heart, it's the heartbeat of Gaza medically and um, um, and historically. Uh, so so there is, you know, it's it's the largest hospital. It's like I don't know what the what the comparison would be in the uk as would, as one of the main hospitals would it, in would the it UK. be like uh would it be like aub medical center in beirut or Hotel exactly Dube it would be like yes it will be like it will be like the aub in, in in lebanon for example um and one one other thing i wanted to say was which is very important actually that we should put out 
is the fact that you know they could have saved a lot of trouble and a lot of damage and a lot of um, um, uh, deaths. You know, the uh, they claim they have intelligence about this hospital, um, and the Americans did so yesterday. And the minute the Americans said so, the Israelis stormed the hospital shortly after, um, even though the Americans are claiming it had nothing to do with it. But I mean, two things: is that like the WMD uh, um, um, intelligence that? took them to war in Iraq and and still we're still looking maybe those WMDs are under the hospital actually who knows you know but the second thing is that Hamas and the doctors have been saying actually both Hamas and the doctors have been saying please send in an international made up of whatever you want international independent observers to go through each and every hospital or or installation that you think as you claim, has Hamas tunnels. And come and see for yourself whether it does or not. And who said no to that? It's not Hamas who's... I mean, Hamas should be hiding uh, the tunnels if that's the case. They're the ones who've, who've, who've offered it. And Israel, who claims it has intentions, is the one that's refused it. So it mm. begs the question, you know, why did they refuse this? There's been an offer on the table for the last 10 days about this. And no one has taken them up, up, um, you know, up to it. So up for it so anyway that's pretty straightforward that's pretty straightforward uh solution to the problem i don't see why anybody would reject that but obviously unless unless they have alternative motives you know the the whole Mm. thing is not about whether whether al-shifa has an underground uh, headquarter of hamas or not um you know there there is a plan in gaza at the moment that it's unraveling in front of everyone and um and you know uh and and uh, Netanyahu actually is 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 losing face because you know so far after forty days he's got nothing to deliver he's got nothing to take back to his people you know to his to his own audience to the Israelis themselves so this can just get worse because the more he gets angry the more he unleashes and there's no thinking going on behind it and that's where the danger gets it's it's we've seen it happen in previous wars as well um, so you know. It's it's not going to end tomorrow, and uh, the sad part is that this you know the the longer it goes, um, more misery for the people of Gaza. But in effect, actually, it's probably more beneficial for the Hamas because you know the longer Israelis stay there, the worse it is for them and for public opinion that will turn against even more. I don't know if you can confirm as well. I've seen photos of columns of israeli tanks disabled or destroyed in in, within the streets of gaza the you can verify that that's the case the numbers they're talking about they've disabled and immobilized 60 uh israeli tanks so far 90 military vehicles altogether is that consistent with with what you've seen yeah the last the last numbers i read they came out with because every few days they come up with a total and actually it's another thing they're not exaggerating i mean if we look at now who are we trusting which is you know, a few years ago, if you had asked me this, I might have said, actually, no, I, I couldn't trust their, their... But, you know, Hamas is not exaggerating. A couple of days ago, the their last number was 160, both in tanks and, and, um, and military vehicles. And they don't claim we destroy them totally. They say, you know, we've, we've 160 tanks and military vehicles, partially, some partially, some totally destroyed. And there were photos today online, you know, on social media, which showed uh, uh, like an alley neighborhood where there were like military vehicles and tanks, one behind the other, you know, all crammed together, mostly damaged. I mean, it's like a, it's like the graveyard of tanks and military vehicles, basically. And it reminds me of 2006 when they came to Lebanon, famous in a particular, I can't remember, sorry, for the life of me now, the area, 
a wadi something. Uh, and again, they lost so many tanks there. It became known as the graveyard of Israeli tanks. You know, they brought in the tanks and 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 thinking, you know, that that's going to win them the war. But they they underestimate. They've underestimated the resistance. They've underestimated that people will fight harder for the land. And when you're resistance, I mean, what does Hamas have to lose? They're walkmen, you know, in effect, they're dead men walking, right? If they give up everything now, correct? Um, So Israel is going to take them, kill them or arrest them. Um, But if they're going to die, and that's the end of the road for them, they'll die fighting. And they're proving that they are damaging they're causing you know they're, they're making israel pay a price i mean and the price the longer israel stays in in gaza the price will be higher and when the price gets higher meaning more soldiers killed or injured and more damage to their to their military uh, machinery you know the the louder the israelis then um um, um uh, criticism becomes um but the this i think we will not see just yet we will see further down the line after the hostages are released then now people are concentrating about they want their hostages back. After that, they're going to start concentrating. On, why is my boy being killed there? Why is my so you know why is my son being killed there? Why is my brother being killed there? Why is he returning injured? How long is he going to stay away? And a lot of them are reserves. You know they 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 have jobs they need to go back to. I mean how how much longer will you how can you, how long can you keep those reserves? So there are lots of questions coming up and it'll be interesting, but it's in effect, I think it's to the detriment of Israel rather than to its benefit. Indeed, indeed. Another report, which uh, looks to me very disturbing, uh, which I saw yesterday, you've probably seen some of these in the media about the Israelis putting down uh, landmines in Gaza and you have also the use of cluster munitions. There's been talk of this as well. First of all, uh, what can you say about those types of reports? And uh, to me, it sort of echoes what they did in Lebanon, actually, in South Lebanon. So it wouldn't be surprising. What what, what can you tell us on that front? Well, in Lebanon in 2006, by the time they left, they had dropped, I can, I, I can, get, I can get you the numbers. They dropped more than 400,000 landmines. They were laid, you know, on, on the area called the Blue Line. And that was a very sensitive area in the southern border. And this has created a, a minefield stretching 120 kilometers. And it's, it's land where people farm, where shepherds, uh, you know, um, take their herds and whatever, where children sometimes go. I mean, now, probably since then, people are more aware of it and it's been sealed off. But... Initially, after that, children would wander, and then you get lines going off, and you get children that are being severely injured, damaged, you know, uh, losing arms, losing legs, lose, you know, um, uh, dying. So it is, it is quite, uh, it, this is one of the most vicious, I think, um, kind of uh, weapon that you can use after, you know, just to leave it behind as what, is this a souvenir, for example? I mean, it is, it is the most disgusting way to, to, uh, to, to when you lose a battle, to, to, to do something like that, because the repercussions of it do not end. I mean, they're still clearing these mines, and that's since 2006, and they haven't finished the job yet. And, and the repercussions of it go on for years to come. 
and the area becomes a, a deserted area, a desolate area, uh, and uh, you know, a no man's land basically uh, that you're denying the people, the villagers themselves, the peasants, if you want, from utilizing. So, uh, if they're doing, if their plan is to create this border or enclave, you know, by taking northern the northern sector of uh, of Gaza and creating this buffer, yeah, um, buffer zone, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I don't know for a fact whether that is the case now or not, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they do, because that would then prevent people from going back to their homes. So if they lay mines in that area, that is, that is a deterrence. And as far as, you know, it will, it will, Palestinians will not be able to return to that sector. So um, scary, dangerous, and quite ugly and quite cruel. Evil, actually. Yeah. And, and the, the, this is like the, the identical tactic that was also used by Israeli when they occupied South Lebanon, isn't it? To yes. restrict movement and is intentional. It wasn't to anti-tank yes. or anything. Go ahead. No, 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 no. This was not for anti-tanks. I mean, Lebanon and, 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 and Hamas do not have tanks. Um, Hezbollah and Hamas do not have tanks. So let's, yeah. let's clear that out. So these lines are not to prevent tanks. These mines are on purpose okay, to kill main civilians, people, and to, uh, to, 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 re to render a, sec a section of territory. If they can't occupy it, if we can't have it, you can't have it. That's the, that's the bottom line of it. If we can't occupy it, you can't enjoy it. And that's exactly what, they, and if they do that in Gaza, that is the same message. They, you know, they laid so much in Lebanon, not, not just during the invasion, 2006, so we're going back to the last offensive in Lebanon, and um, and they dropped these. Um, okay, just I just wanted to get you some of the the the, the actual um, numbers because the numbers when when you read them, I mean, and I remember after 2006, my husband before he passed away, you know, he he was a photographer, a great photographer. And we had covered the 2006 war and we were in Lebanon and um, we hooked up with MAG, you know, they're the, the organization actually, um, I mean, the job they do is incredible. So we went down south with them to an area to watch them and fill them and, and talk to them about, you know, the difficulties and, and, and what has been created. So, um, so basically what they, you know, they, they dropped 400,000 landmines um, um, uh, along, along uh, the blue line, you know, in the, in the southern borders of Lebanon, which created a minefield stretching 120 kilometers. Four million cluster bombs were dropped in Lebanon, of which an estimated 40% did not explode. So we're still paying the price to this day and we still haven't cleaned that area. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah. Mag is the, uh, the the they do the sapper work and help to clear the areas. It's a very very good organization. Sadly, there's still there's still so much work to do. Uh, I I saw some of those uh, Israeli tanks in Melita uh, when I was in South Lebanon. Some of them were upside yeah. down. Um, oh yeah. And 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 they said that they that the Lebanese authorities and and organizations like Mag had asked the the Israelis for the maps in terms of where they did the bombing run so correct. they could at least identify and Israel would not cooperate. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Yes, I meant to say that as well. I mean, to think that after all these years, they wouldn't even provide you with the map 
of where they've laid these la uh, these mines or and where they've dropped them that that you know the task was the job would still be uh, long and 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 and, and arduous to 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 um, to detonate them but at least it would help know where they are it can expedite it a little bit yeah yeah and they still refuse to provide that and that just goes to show then you know it's spiteful and again i'll use the same language it's spiteful it's cruel it's evil this is intentional. This is no longer a case of, you know, it's by mistake and we don't remember and we're sorry. It's not. It's, you know, you're, you're never going to get this and you can, you can suffer for as long as, as necessary. If we can't have it, you can't have it. And if they do that in Gaza, and they probably will, if they want to create that buffer zone between the north and the rest of Gaza, then definitely that's what's going to happen. Hala Jabber. Thank you very much. Veteran Middle East reporter, author of Hezbollah Born with a Vengeance. We really appreciate you joining us on TNT Radio this week. Thank you, Patrick. There she goes, hey, Patrick, ladies and sorry, gentlemen. We didn't, we, we didn't get oh, to talk no. about Hezbollah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Well, we'll have to we'll have to hold that off to another time. Uh, exactly. We're gonna wrap up, exactly. Wrap, thank you. We're going to wrap the show up. And a big thank you to Freddie Ponton as well in hour number one. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. You've been listening to TNT. Today's News Talk. We'll be back with a whole lot more tomorrow. Same time, same place. So I'll see you guys there. All the best.